Hi, you're listening to the Just Some Musings podcast with Justin Lee and Marcus Muse. We're two advisors with CG Wealth Management here in Alberta who finish off our weeks connecting over Zoom to discuss the week that was. So uh, what's on the agenda this week, Justin? Well, you know, this is our second episode and uh, so I think we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the, some of the uh, ups and downs or the trials and tribulations of, of uh, building up this podcast and, and some feedback that we've been receiving already. Uh, I actually uh, just came back from uh, from Toronto a couple hours ago uh, from the Ontario GTA region. And so there's some uh, conversations and, and discussions that I, I, I was a part of uh, there in regards to Alberta that I'd, I'd like to kind of uh, develop or talk about. And, um, you know, speaking of which as well, uh, there's some ge- geographic sort of uh, conversations that uh, you and I discussed about in regards to the uh, development and growth of, of Calgary and also Edmonton. Um, Additionally, we always like talking a little bit about sports and, and, and how it's a good analogy for, uh, for investments. And so I think you, uh, you wanted to speak a little bit about uh, the Oilers and their, and their recent uh, uh, run of success and how that we can use that mentality uh, for ourselves in the investment and savings role. And, and as well, just in general, um, it, it's, the, it's December now, so we will take a look back at, at November and see what's happened. Uh, you know, it's, it's one month out of the year, but a, a lot has changed uh, in the last uh, 30 days. All right. So um, any charts or links that we mentioned during the show, we'll uh, put them on the show notes on uh, muhs.ca slash podcast. Um, You'll find a link to that on the uh, show notes of the show on whatever uh, player you're listening to it on. Uh, Please enjoy. This show is largely unedited, uh, unfiltered, and just our discussion over Zoom. So enjoy. All right. So you can like you can like start with like you you weren't even aware the podcast went live because you were in Toronto. That's right. <laughs> did you yeah, listen to the good. podcast on the flight? I didn't. No, I I tried to sleep <laughs> <laughs> somewhat unsuccessfully. We're gonna use this. All right. So yeah. So you know, I, unfortunately, coming back from Toronto, I tried to get some sleep, and, and so I, I didn't have an opportunity to. Uh, uh, download uh, our first inaugural uh, episode, which uh, unbeknownst to me went live uh, earlier this week. So, um, yep. you know, we've we, we've had some trials and tribulations in regards to uh, the, the development of this uh, of this uh, project. But uh, yeah, let me know what I missed over the last couple of days, Marcus. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I I published the I published the podcast uh, yesterday. Um, obviously, this is very new to both of us. We we did do a couple of practice podcasts for the, over the last couple of weeks. Um, but this was the first time we had published, uh, as far as I know, the podcast is on anchor overcast and Spotify. And I think we're figuring it out as we go along. Apparently there's RSS feeds and it goes on all the other players and I haven't seen her on Google yet. That's what I usually use as my podcast player, but I'm kind of checking it day by day. See if it shows up there. There's so many podcasts about musings that, uh, you have to actually type in the whole name to find it on search. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting uh, process. We already have one uh, review I'd like to read here from a good friend of mine, Jarrett, um, gave me a review here. Uh, uh, he said, Marcus, you guys don't suck, which for your first podcast is pretty good. We dig your, dig your <laughs> instrumental riff. I probably listen even if we weren't friends. So I'd say that's a pretty positive uh, four star, at least four and a half star review, right? Yeah, I you know when do we pitch in like uh, please give us five stars and write a review on on I guess when we get onto the onto uh, onto the Apple Store or the playlist, right? Yeah, so. I think that's important. Like we want subscribers and we want good reviews. So if you can do that, please. 
whatever, however, whatever, that, you however the algo, however the algo works. Right. But uh, okay. thanks. Thanks, Derek, for that feedback. Uh, we'll take it. We'll take it away and we'll turn that into a five-star uh, uh, review soon. Oh yeah. And also a uh, good friend, Jason Pereira on LinkedIn said he likes the name. So uh, just, just some musings as you can guess is kind of a, kind of a, a pun on our names. Play I guess. Words. I, I came up with it. I don't think Ju Justin just went along with it. Yeah, uh, you know, it was hard to after after you mentioned you brought it up. Um, it was hard to find something that uh, I could uh, suggest as an alternative because it does work out well, right? No. Right. So I mean, Lee and Mark, Mark Lee. No, yeah, we're the other way around wouldn't work as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Get on you. That's your stamp for sure. So yeah, Justin, you were just in Toronto. What are things like there? Yeah, so you know Toronto or the GTA or uh, you know the in and around. I actually didn't spend a whole lot of time in Toronto. I was out in the uh, um, closer to Niagara and into Kitchener Waterloo and uh, um, driving along all the the, the 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 highways. It was funny because I don't know if you uh, listen to uh, you know uh, old uh, old hip hop or R and B, but I'm driving on the highway and it's like, oh yeah, the 401 and the 427 <laughs> and the 407 and and uh, it it made me uh, it made me think about that. Um, <laughs> that's the song called area codes right but uh i'll just uh if you're not familiar i'll let you guys google it, uh, google that and, and, and give it a give it a give it a listen but uh nevertheless uh you know it's plus five degrees or so it's not minus 20 something that we're having in alberta right now mm. and it had been a number of years since i've been in toronto i had been in, in in toronto or even outside of this province uh you know due to the pandemic and, and and whatnot right so it was nice to go back go over and um uh, see some folks uh, I'm thinking I'll, actually maybe the last time you were in Toronto was when we were both there, right? In 2018 for, uh, it was a, a national conference for Canaccord. A Canaccord uh, advisory conference. That's right. And, and, yeah. that's, and actually, that's probably one of the first times. Yes. That is where we hatched the idea of the podcast and it took us this long to finally do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes oak trees, you know, they take a long time to grow from an acorn, right? So it <laughs> takes a lot of cultivation over time. But uh, yes, it, it, that was the last time I was in Toronto. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things about um, more topical things that have come up is that there, I, I imagine most people or most listeners are aware that uh, the province of Alberta has started a marketing campaign uh, in urban uh, Toronto, in downtown core Toronto. Alberta's targeted calling. Main, yeah, Alberta's gone mainly to the, you know, uh, presumably younger people but anyone for that matter i guess mm -hmm. and really promoting the fact that there's a certain lifestyle affordable lifestyle uh that can be uh, had or or uh, is achievable in alberta and and so when i went over there I, I made certain that i asked the people i was meeting had they heard about had they seen the campaign mm -hmm. uh what did people think about it? You know, what did their friends think about it? Did it come up in conversations over dinner or, you know, over a beer? Um, I actually, um, a, a couple of clients that I had met had recently moved from Calgary to Toronto. And I wanted to get their feedback on how that adjustment was going. And also um, their colleagues and friends who knew that they just moved from Alberta asking why, you know, why did you leave? And also what is Alberta like? And, and so, you know, I've lived in Alberta my entire life. And, and while I have family and, and relatives across the country uh, and, and clients in, in other parts of the country as well, uh, you do get, you know, obviously it's good to hear a different perspective, right? And because, mm -hmm. and we, you know, naturally we're going to be inherently biased towards where we are. And um, so before I get into the, what they thought, Marcus, like if someone were to ask you, 
why do you like Alberta? Or why would you want, why would you choose to continue to live in Alberta? Or why should I move to Alberta? What mm -hmm. are, you know, what are some things that come off your head? Like, what, what would you tell them? That's a good question. And, you know, well, there's so much we take for granted that we don't even think as being that special, but, you know, these days, simply being able to, being able to afford a house in a nice neighborhood with, with schools, if you have kids and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and jobs, that's the, you don't get that everywhere. I mean, there's places where you can live with where, where there are no jobs, but there's cheap houses or there's places mm -hmm. where there's lots of jobs, but it's very expensive to live. Or maybe, you know, mm -hmm. you're more in an urban environment. It's maybe not as safe for a family, but we have it really good here in Alberta. You know, both Calgary and Edmonton have every amenity you need in a, in a major city and lots of communities, lots of safe communities to live in um, with, with very affordable housing. And then, you know, you, you guys, I'm really envious of you're an hour away from the mountains and skiing and all that nice views. But I mean, Edmonton too is, is good. Like Toronto's nice. I mean, again, I remember from our trip in 2018, um, very, very urban city, awesome bar scene and everything. And of course, all those high tech jobs. I think we as advisors would love to work there with all the uh, potential uh, <laughs> high tech worker clients. Um, but I still, I still would much rather live in, in Alberta. And the other thing too, is, you know, not just about individuals living in Alberta is, is companies coming here. Uh, there is a ton of office space in Calgary. So if any company wants to locate in Alberta, they can find office space really easily and cheaply in Edmonton or, a lot or of it, Calgary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if they wanted to relocate their staff too, that there's that their staff's going to have an easy time finding, uh, finding houses or finding cheap rent and whatnot. Um, I think it's a great place. I, I kind of wonder too, and this is what I was going to ask you about is, you know, are the people in Toronto uh, receptive to that advertising is, or is it really just like, are we trying to sell uh, snow to an Eskimo or something like that? Or an elk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I would say that it is not following on deaf ears. Like, I mean, I didn't pull a hundred people on the corner of the street of young and Neglington uh, to see what they thought about the campaign. A lot of the campaign was actually inside the TTC or their subway system. And I did not, uh, actually yeah. use the subway system while I was there. Uh, it's obviously very targeted, eh? It's targeted to millennials. It is. Using the, using it the is TTC. targeted. They could come here and, and, and buy a house and own a car and not have to take transit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that, you know, we'll talk about you Park the tra transit co uh, comment uh, for a second. But um, it is not falling on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. It has been, it has been conversation. When you are inundated with, you know, uh, advertisements and, and, and slogans or they take over the entire uh, uh, the subway station, um, you, you just can't help but even like momentarily think about it, right? And so of the folks that I, I talked to, uh, they did say, yeah, I mean, they know, they understand, they've seen the housing prices, right? They, they know what it's like to buy, try to buy a, a residence, condo, townhouse, single family home, whatever in the GTA. And they know that the prices in Alberta are much lower right um offsetting you know housing affordability and things of that, na that nature are some of the more natural things that would come up such as like family friends and established community that they are a part of you know moving interprovincial migration is, is happens all the time right um you know when i lived in fort mcmurray everybody was from somewhere but somewhere else from you know vancouver island all the way to st john's and, and so there is always people moving but I think on a, on a proportionate basis, I, I, anecdotally, I think 
uh, there's more people who are moving from the eastern Atlantic provinces or the or uh, Saskatchewan, where um, areas of the country where there are not as many uh, areas or opportunities for uh, gainful employment. Yep. You kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, there are places such as Ontario, maybe, you know, like in the lower mainland too, where there may be a, a lot of jobs in a particular area or a particular sector. Uh, but then, yeah, all, the, the housing just becomes very difficult, right? Or rent becomes very difficult. So the housing thing is not, slot on, not lost on them. Um, but then again, if you're established family, which is why I think they're trying to cater or or target the younger folks is that, oh, maybe they are just about to start a family mm-hmm. or maybe they're not looking about to expand their family and they're moving from a one bedroom, two bedroom condo. And now they're maybe looking at a house. People who are in their you know latter ages, you know, they're already likely established in you know the, the the city or the town that they live in. Again, their community, their families. So those become much harder you know, to try to move. But, uh, you know, when I talked to the folks who left from uh, Calgary to move to Toronto, one thing they did mention was that because they live on transit, they don't have to actually have a car. Mm -hmm. And so that was one thing that they were able to kind of offset a slightly higher rent in the place that they're living relative to Calgary. Uh, But you know what? Car expenses are largely gone, right? The insurance, the maintenance, Mm -hmm. buying the car in the first place, Mm -hmm. right? And so there was a bit of an offset there. And, you know, they also talked about you know, you know, Calgary, the Saddle Dome has been known that you can't have large concerts there. There are mm-hmm. artists who do not come to Calgary because the facilities. We've got Edmonton. Here. We got you can go up to Edmonton, go to Rogers Place, come exactly. watch Metallica right. in Edmonton next year. Yeah, but Toronto gets everything right. They got theater, they get all the major shows. They've got a multitude of sports uh, teams. If you follow that, uh, the United States isn't far away either. Um, they, in fact, actually mentioned that they were in Chicago to go watch a concert, right? Because it was easier mm-hmm. to get to uh and, and so so you know the lifestyle for that certain uh, uh particular demographic it, it is uh, very compelling uh, for a major city like that uh, but you know when their colleagues had asked them about what it's like to live in calgary you know they talk of, of course again affordability of housing things like you know no tax things it's no provincial sales tax um, but one thing that they mentioned also was that i think there's still very much a um an image for better or for worse that there's a there's an Alberta mentality uh, that has fostered innovation and entrepreneurship, but there's also you know that sort of a cowboy slash you know um, wild west a little bit to a certain extent, but also more specifically <clears throat> a certain type of conservatism, social conservatism that is a lot more prevalent and and a lot more rabble rousing these days. I mean, we're not going to get into it probably, but I know we just, you know, Danielle Smith came out with this, with the Alberta Sovereignty Act within the United Canada or whatever the definition is. And just when even when they see that or they hear that, it gives them pause, right? And I think the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, I was looking at an article and Deborah Yeslin, the president, right? She used to be the chancellor of the University of Calgary and was also, you know, a very prominent journalist and, and business figure. She says, whoa, 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 this is, causing businesses to stop and wait because now you're mixing the pot. You're making things very uncertain. And so that was sort of reflected in, in some of the comments that I heard is that, you know, what's going on over there, right? I wonder too, uh, like how, based on, because of how brash those ads are, like you said, taking over an entire subway station and yeah. also the image that Jason Kenny ha- has or ha- had in, uh, I know that, mm-hmm. You know, they see him the same way as we kind of look at Rob Ford, uh, you know, as, you know, being a 
kind of crazy politics. They have their own. Yes. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard that too. Yeah. But I mean, I wonder if they're like, oh, this is Jason Kenny and his largesse uh, putting all these ads in our subway station and, mm-hmm. you know, screw him. We're never going to Alberta. Uh, but, you know, then you do hear the stories. Um, there's, was it Narcity, uh, one of those websites where they, they interviewed several people who made the move and talked about their experiences. And oftentimes it's a young yes. person who just really could not afford to live there, didn't have to yep. live there. So they came over yep. here. And they're, yeah. they're happy with her decision. I think uh, one comment that also came up was that, you know, Canada as a whole, but particularly Toronto, there's hundreds of thousands of immigrants coming in and they've often left other countries or other, you know, area, well, yeah, other countries. And so for them to move to Toronto and then see other opportunities in Alberta, they've already made a move, right? They're more willing. They're more able to move again. They're more and willing. So those, they I haven't think, made those roots. Exactly, exactly. So they, I think that that's an opportunity that, you know, for, for, for more interprovincial migration to potentially occur um, because they're very open to it and they've done it already, right? Um, you know, the comment about, you know, the mountains are close by to Calgary. I've heard that a lot of times too. And admittedly, I mean, I live an hour and a half away from the mountains. I could go to Canmore if I wanted to or Banff if I wanted to. And I know friends and colleagues who do that regularly, whether they're mountain biking or hiking or skiing in the winter, right? But um, a lot of us in Calgary don't. Mm. They don't go. We don't go, right? I mean, we may have, have kids programming in the, in the on the weekends, or maybe we have a, we want to do our errands, or we have a different a lifestyle that doesn't necessarily incorporate uh, outdoor mountains, right? And so while it is attractive, yes, you can see the panorama in the background sometimes, <laughs> depending which way you're driving in the city and mm-hmm. the sky is clear. Um, it's not that far away. It's still kind of far away. It's, it, you have to drive an hour and a half to get there. So you do have to make well, it's a certain lifestyle. So it works for some. And for those hour, who are willing or very interested, right? And my, you know, uh, yeah, one person who mentioned like, oh yeah, they have the Blue Mountains over there outside of Toronto. It's nothing obviously like, you know, the ability to ski a uh, world-class sunshine, you know, Lake Louise, you know, very in the close proximity, right? So mm-hmm. those who are already into that lifestyle, I think would be very open to moving over here. Mm-hmm. Um, those who aren't, um, it's not as a persuasive argument, the, the geographic proximity. Um, and then of course, you know, I left the city this morning that was like five degrees or around zero. And then I landed at minus 20, throwing the wind chill and it was close to minus 30. So that's going to, you know, knock out some people in some senses too, as well. Right. But, uh, um, the, the campaign is obviously it is conversation piece. Um, certainly in the first early days of the early weeks when it came on, now that it's been going on a few weeks longer, I don't think there, it's not as, uh, prominent in, in, in conversation. Um, but yeah, from what I understand, it, it was, um, you know, everyone kind of talked about it a little bit at, at first. And maybe we will start to see a few folks. But um, I still haven't, you know, myself, seen, I, I want to see that unicorn. I want to see those couple people who actually left Toronto, left family, left friends, left something established to come start afresh over here. Um, I don't know if you've met somebody like that yet, but uh, um, I, um, it's well, uh, I've been a little ad- anecdotal. Anecdotal is what I think I, I've heard. Yeah, you make a good point about uh, immigrants to Canada being the most most likely to be uh, to be turned to Alberta by those ads because again they don't they haven't made those roots in Toronto and you know really a lot of the reason why why housing costs are so expensive in certain parts of the country is just because so many people want to come here we're the greatest country in the world bar none and mm-hmm. people are coming from all sorts of other countries in the world where they don't have the same opportunities and they're just yes. looking for a place to live and to have those opportunities and and, and raise their families and that's where yep. alberta is the perfect, families, yeah. perfect place for them but uh, anyways moving on I mean, from there yeah 
anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to see what happens uh, with it. Um, again, I'm, we'll see it, it, it progress. It doesn't happen overnight, uh, but the campaign's still going, and uh, I'm sure I'll get an update or two uh, from my from my Ontario contacts as to yeah. see how 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 it's doing. So anyway, it was fun. It was a nice contrast. It was an interesting contrast among other things. Yeah. So. Um... As you got into the office this morning, you sent me some pictures from your flight, and there was one interesting picture of Calgary that you sent from the plane. I, I thought it looked weird because you could see the, the Calgary skyline, and then there was like hardly any city in front of it. And I was like, "Where is this from?" Because it looks like Calgary, you know, the city the, the city ends right there, and yeah. uh, it was from uh, pretty much the narrowest part of the city. I looked at it on the map, and I kind of thought, "Does is Calgary shaped more like an hourglass or a potato?" What do you think? <laughs> It's a weird shape. I hadn't thought. It? I hadn't thought about that. Um, I, like it gets I really narrow in the middle, eh? And is that is that what's called the beltline? I've heard of that term before, or is that something else? The beltline, yeah, is an area of town that's sort of south of immediately south of south of downtown. South of downtown. But maybe the the one way I would look at it also, as well as when you think about Alberta, uh, Edmonton, um, I know that there's a lot of development happening south of the Henday or south of Ellerslie Road. We are getting years taller. Ago, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, and, and my family and I grew up, when I grew up in Edmonton, I was in the North side, I was in Castle Downs. Yeah. Uh, my parents are now in sort of that Clearview area. So I only know, I kind of know the North end and I know that is also expanding and moving, you know, getting close to uh, St. Albert in one direction and moving, you know, towards Bonacourt and straight North and Nemeo on the other way, you know, straight true North. Right. And so you see that there's a, a, a growth on the Northern tip and a growth on the Southern edge. And it's sort of, instead of doing a, a nice circular gradual expansion it ends up being more on the north maybe on the west too right for, yeah uh, it, it is that. it is though it feel, it's so I, I think calgary's is similar calgary's edmonton's like filling that. in yeah. a little bit better with the henday like the yeah. henday is almost square like but then yeah calgary mm -hmm. it's you know it's gotten so tall and then and thinner in the middle it's it's just uh yeah yeah it looked it looked like a potato anyways <laughs> or <laughs> like a, a yam it's appropriate for uh, prairie uh, for prairie living, potatoes and you know yeah. and and, uh, and and root veggies, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, the southern part is certainly growing uh, on the southern part of Calgary, out west towards the mountains as well as growing. But yeah, that yeah, that eastern portion tends to be a little bit more industrial, and there's sort of that uh, industrial park on other you know, and that sort of I think limits the 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 interest of residential expansion on, on that side. So, um, but you you bring up uh, land, and, and very briefly, I had a comment uh, uh, with some relatives and also with a client in Toronto about this and how geographically you know there's the lakes in, in Toronto and then there's belt line or there's greens green belt and there's a lot of controversy right now about expanding um development right and then they asked me about what real estate was like in Alberta and I kind of said there's just just too much land right to your just point you're all like, over the place keep building you could we could we could be building all the yeah. way straight to the mountains if we wanted to and likewise at edmonton you could be expanding all the way into nisku and then to leduc and take over you know all of all of that too and beaumont and just annex mm -hmm. everything right but just there's no limitation whereas like vancouver there's mountains and ocean and in ontario yeah. there's belt line and and lakes so um i think you know they were asking about property expectations and pricing and and very last comment on this on the drive from the airport back home, there was a comment on the news about a developer in Calgary that was said that they had 75% of the owners from either BC or Ontario. And and I feel like they targeted those people anyways to show that. And mm -hmm. then the comment was that like, you know, it's outside provincial money coming in because they think it's cheaper and there's a better capital appreciation. But 
you know, against that, I would say there's, we just have so much land that I think it's capped, but it's certainly cheaper than Toronto. And I guess they feel like if they can buy a condo for $300,000 or $400,000 here, that's a third or half the price of what they could get in Toronto and they could just rent it out. Right. So um, yeah, it, the land thing is interesting. And then, um, but yes, I think uh, whether Edmonton or Calgary is a potato, it just, you know, there's a lot of potato, potato field or, or wheat field to, to grow, to build over as well. Yeah. So uh, just before uh, we started recording here, uh, I was watching a bit of World Cup here in the office, uh, Germany against Costa Rica and Germany won. And I was all I was all happy and 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 proud of Die Mannschaft. And uh, and then uh, Justin explained soccer to me and turns out we're eliminated. <laughs> Canada's eliminated. But Germany's eliminated. Uh, Belgium's it's a feel out. Good, sir. You, you won, about. though. You, you know, Tunisia <laughs> won yesterday, and they still didn't make it either, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you won, right? It was a good game. The Germans won. Yeah. Um, it, you know, goal differential. You know, it could have gone down to, like, yellow cards and stuff, too, right? Fair play points. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh, well. It, it, it's, it's been entertaining. I missed the game because I was all because I was on the plane. But, uh, you know, we still got a few weeks to go, or a couple weeks at least. Yeah, about three weeks to go uh, before the final. But, uh, I, you know, it's now you get the, I think it's good for Canada. You know, um, we've put, we've introduced ourselves at least in the, in the soccer football world yep. and for in four years time, uh, this young team, I, you know, they will be able to learn from this as they say. Yep. Right. And, uh, and build that towards when we actually are hosting, uh, games in our own country. Right. And so, yeah, and it's actually you, really, you're going to have losers, right? I'm really surprised how strong Costa Rica was. I mean, they were the, the fourth place team in CONCACAF and, you know, we beat them a couple of times, I think, in the last while, in the last year. And uh, and they probably mm-hmm. put one of the better showings on uh, amongst those those teams. You know, I, I suppose the most uh, the most disappointing versus expectations country in CONCACAF would be Mexico, right? I mean, the U.S. have moved well, on. Canada didn't make it, right? Mexico didn't make it either, right? Um, but I, I, I don't want to use the football, the American football, any given Sunday uh, rationale, but Saudi Arabia beat Germany. Uh, Japan uh, just beat Spain. Uh, you know, they, these countries are, 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 you know, athletes are proud. They try to perform. Mm-hmm. And this is an international stage. And they obviously are the top teams amongst the 200 plus teams that are in the world, national teams that are in the world. There's more, there's more nations in, that are belong to FIFA than there is to the United Nations. Um, but uh, uh, it is, uh, it's been engaging. You just can't have all the winners, all the, all the favorites win. Right. I mean, yep. you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, I, I'm sure the Italians would, would say something else. Right. But uh, <laughs> you know, interesting we thing, I was watching the, uh, the Netflix documentary on, on FIFA and all the corruption. I don't know. Was it you that was telling me about that a few weeks ago? Uh, probably may came up in conversation. Yes. Yeah. You've seen it though, right? Uh, I have not actually. Um, I I think maybe I'll watch, watch it. it after the World Cup. You don't want to, you know. I don't want to like. I, there's been a plenty of ongoing continuous news about like the protests and yeah. people wearing shirts and certain toques and and how the how it showed up in Qatar and what's going to happen afterwards. Um, I suppose that I want that still to be part of a discussion <laughs> throughout into the future. Uh, but I, I admittedly have been watching sort of the games more and listening to the commentary. I'll, yeah. I'll you know, and you, you have an understanding. I have an understanding already as to how they did get the hosting rights right. So, if you want to enjoy this World Cup, don't watch it until yeah. after. <laughs> but I am <laughs> looking forward to yeah. the next World Cup in North America being the first uh, post-corruption, hopefully, World Cup uh, of FIFA. And the reason I was bringing this up is you were talking about Concacaf. It's what's really interesting in the FIFA world is how powerful Concacaf is when it comes to their elections, because there's so many countries 
even though CONCACAF is definitely not the strongest of countries, you know, and it's, it's funny, the countries that have the most weight in CONCACAF are the ones that aren't usually talked about. It's all the little Caribbean countries because they all get the same vote, every country. They all when get comes equal to, vote, yeah. When it comes to like any new, like Sepp Blatter, him getting reelected a number of times in the 90s and 2000s, it was about appealing to those to those little countries um, as well as, yeah. as all yeah. the African countries too because they all also make it. South Pacific, yeah, there's, there's a heck of a lot of, there's a lot of countries up there, right? Yeah. For sure, but uh, um, there's a certain sense of politicking as well. You know, I don't know post corruption. I, I mean, optimistically, you'd hope that would be the case. But you know, there is grumblings that upon the hundredth anniversary of the first World Cup, you know, Uruguay and you know would be looking to potentially bidding for that right. But then there's also a conversation about um, uh, a joint kind of a, a, a Greek Saudi. Um, Egyptian yeah, sort yeah. of thing and it, and so and they're probably going to win it they're going to win it it's uh Egypt Greece and Saudi Arabia that are going for yeah. the 2030 I think but yeah. you know what's, what's really amazing and this came up in that in that uh, documentary Qatar was up against the United States I think as finalists mm-hmm. to host mm-hmm. 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 by what logic would they pick Qatar United States 300 something million people lots of soccer stadiums Qatar uh, four hundred thousand resident or citizens, and they had they didn't have a single stadium at that time that was worthy of hosting. I mean, obviously, it was proven that there were bribes involved in everything, but how, how can how how did that pass? I mean, that was just so blatant, and that was already at the time when uh, I think it was twenty fifteen, right? So it was already pretty obvious about the the corruption with Sepp Blatter and all that stuff that was going on, but. Um, you know, the Olympics, you know, whether the Russians hosted the World Cup also, they also hosted the Olympics, you know, there's, a, you know, I mean, even back in the day, right, like, there's lots of countries that use these international events as sort of a, a stepping stone or, or a, you know, a, a, a open, we're open to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Not many people knew about Barcelona or like, you know, so they, whether, or, or South Korea back in the 88, for example, too, when it's still sort of like under military rules, uh, uh, they will use those opportunities to, uh, you know, promote their own country. Well, and, and it is, that, hey, we're part of the international community, right? It is for Qatar. It is a massive, yeah. uh, you know, $200 billion marketing campaign for them. You know, un- yeah. unlike with, uh, with Putin, where it was more like a megal- megalomaniacal thing, you know, trying to, uh, to make himself look big, but, uh, you know, moving Fire on gas. from, moving on from soccer, Fire, uh, Fire talk, <laughs> I, I always, I want to try to make this, uh, this podcast, like always have a financial or markets type of uh, discussion. We talked a bit about living in Alberta yes. and so forth, but, uh, kind of going from sports, well, from one sport to another sport and, and sort of a market analogy that I've come up with in the last couple of days, watching the Oilers, uh, Oilers right now are in a three game win, winning streak. They won uh, against New York. Uh, Florida and Chicago in the last three games. And if you look at those games, they had so many highs and lows, you know, against New York, they played an absolutely awful first two periods. I shut off the game. Like I I'll be honest. I'm not a great Oilers fan. I turned off the game and went and just like did something boring, like watching YouTube videos or whatever. Yeah. I look back it's to see, I, I look to see what the score of the game was after. And it was four, three Oilers. I'm like, what, how did that happen? And, you know, of course I had to watch the replay and all, but mm-hmm. that game, if you did not watch what I'm getting at here, this is an analogy for long-term investing and, and buying and holding and staying invested, not timing the markets. Cause what I did was I timed the markets two bad periods and I left 
almost like you were invested in the markets and the markets are down 25% earlier this year and you decided to sell everything and get out. You don't get the full return of the market over the long term unless you're fully invested through through thick and thin, basically. And uh, what we saw, obviously, if you were not invested for the whole 60 minutes, if you were only invested for 57 minutes of that first game against New York, uh, you know, the Oilers didn't win it. It was uh, in the last, mm-hmm. in the last th- uh, three minutes that uh, Leon Dreisaitl scored that winner there. And then the next game, they proved the point again. And they were down. Was it, They were down 3-2 against Florida in the last uh, dying seconds. Five seconds oh, to yeah. go. 59-55, uh, right? <laughs> five seconds to go. And it was, uh, who was again? Um, Bouchard, I think. Was Bouchard. That? Bouchard scored the, Bouchard scored, the yeah. uh, tying goal. And then 22 yeah. seconds into overtime, uh, Dreisaitl scores the winner. That 27-second span actually is a record in the NHL now. The fastest tying a game up and then winning the game. So it really? is actually a record. I'm told, anyways. I, I didn't. I didn't double check. Well, was it. there? Was there? Was there a hint of Shattenfeld that I think it was Kachuk that blew a tire in that overtime that allowed the, the big outlet pass? I, I think I, it was hinted <laughs> that uh, that was kind of forechecking, kind of, and and then uh, yeah, he uh, he uh, flipped, he fell to the ice, and then uh, there was yeah the outlet, and then back <laughs> and then boom into the net, right? So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I, I again, it's, it's, it's being invested. And as a fan, a, a good fan, you you realize that there's going to be highs and lows, right? Yep. You, you're looking for the championships. You're looking for those win streaks. You're looking for good performance in the playoffs, things of that nature. Um, but like any franchise, it doesn't matter which one. They've had their periods of darkness and, and difficulty. And, and I think likewise, uh, as investors, when you look, think about the long term, yes, you want to have um, those winners you want to have performance over the long run um, but I think there again uh, it's a good way to, to recognize the fact that there are going to be periods uh, such as you know the, the 2022 as a whole year to date um, where it's going to be very difficult 2000 yeah. you know in 2009 the 2000 uh, at the turn of the millennia um, there's going to be periods of, of difficulty and you might call that rebuilding you might call that a draft year you call that you know you know just stick to the plan right but um but what I was going to get at game. is it is a long game, right? These uh, these these uh, stretches of winning in in the case of the yeah. markets as well, they happen very yeah. unexpectedly and in short spurts. Like yes. the S and P yeah. five hundred, yes. for example, yeah. it's uh, Thursday afternoon as we're recording this, Thursday, December first, and from the low, at least the interim low, October, I think it was October eleventh. Uh, they're up about it's up about fourteen percent, and you don't get. You don't. You can't invest money and expect fourteen percent over any period of like a month and a half or so. That doesn't usually happen. But when it does happen, it's unexpected. The start point. There's no one, no way anyone could have known in early mid October that that's when uh, the markets would now go on a, a tear, fourteen percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the only way you got that fourteen percent was by staying invested, being invested through the yes. whole thing. And you know you got That's people right. out there who believe that in order to beat the markets you have to you have to time out, time in, and so forth. And maybe mm-hmm. there are some people who can do that. I think the vast majority of us can't. Uh, we just don't know when to get in and out. Uh, you can't know that unless you have a crystal ball. Um, if you happen to time out at the wrong time, you know things were looking mm-hmm. pretty uh, dour in in October, um, and you just missed that fourteen yep. percent. Now look at you know look at your five year, ten year return, and if you missed out that month and a half of 
it turns your maybe you maybe you otherwise would have gotten an eight an eight percent average annual return turns it into something lower than that significantly lower just yes. by missing that yes. month and a half and so that's why you know those of us who are anyways uh, market uh, long term market believers while well, we believe in uh, being invested long term. No, that's right. And who knows what December will bring or early into the new year, right? Yep. Um, and it may go down or it might give back some of that 14% that you just mentioned. Uh, <laughs> but sure enough, there's another month or two or three afterwards, right? And and so it's it's never a straight line, right? It's it's never a straight line in, in either direction. So um, you're right. You know, you can have a, a three-game win streak that might turn into a four-game, five-game. And then, you know, Christmas prisons around and then maybe you lose a couple. Right. But um, yeah, a a good temperament is, is important to, to have with that. And you're right. You don't know when those things are going to occur, when that 5% return, when some guy might make a, you know, some banker might make a comment off the cuff and all of a sudden the market reacts intraday (laughs) and, and then shows up, is up positive, you know, uh, when it started up negative. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of waste of time thinking about that. The other thing too is sometimes uh, the the worst performing things, uh, the things that everyone's trying to avoid or, or run out of, can sometimes turn around quicker than than anyone expected. I was I I don't really put too much weight on what the markets do day to day, month to month, but I do keep track of it on an Excel spreadsheet. And I used to do my uh, my monthly market mm-hmm. musings uh, uh, mm-hmm. blog posts. Where I had a, a table of this is what the markets did in the month, and I still do those tables mm-hmm. for the month of November. Everything was everything did well, and I'll, I'll put the I'll put the table on our uh, on our website on our uh, uh, podcast website. Um, so yeah, TSX up five percent, S and P up five percent, emerging markets up almost thirteen percent in Canadian dollars for the month of November. Uh, developed international markets up over eleven percent. Um, I thought there was still a war going on. Well, that's the thing. There's a war going on, and these were the <laughs> these were the areas that I thought there was still. Avoiding. I thought there was zero COVID in some countries, right? The British pound up five percent. The euro up over five percent. Uh, the U.S. dollar, Japanese yen cross, uh, which is kind of an inverse. Um, the the number is down, but it means the yen got a lot stronger. So it was 148 yen to purchase a dollar U.S. Uh, at the beginning of November, and now it's 138 yen. So it's a seven seven percent change these were the and and we know this year so far the u.s dollar has been super strong every world currency especially the pound and the euro uh has gone down and and the yen has actually done really terribly against the u.s dollar and as of the end of october the uh the world markets in canadian dollar terms were down about 20 percent they're now down only uh 10 12 percent they're they're actually outperforming now year to date in canadian dollar terms anyways uh, they are outperforming the, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, the international markets. Uh, I attribute that purely to the performance of their countries in the World Cup. England was top of their group. Japan yeah, came on top of their group. Uh, and, and because of that, I'm sure their countries and their uh, Why is Germany doing so good then? Uh, well, you know, they're in the Eurozone. The, let's not talk about that, right? Why but, is Canada? Uh, you know, Canada. Spain, Canada. the other countries, the other Spanish countries and the African countries are, are doing well, right? So there. <laughs> Do you want to guess what the year-to-date return is on the TSX composite, excluding dividends to the end of November? In in Canadian dollars? Yeah, we're just talking. Uh, this is an easy one. Yeah, Canadian dollars. Let, let's go. Oh, oil game. Jeez, I should, let's say minus 8%. Minus 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Add dividends. The dividends there. Yeah. Add dividends. Yeah. You're, you're pretty much break even. Positive. And actually, break even, if yeah. you were in a sort of a value mix or a dividend mix of, of investments for this year, you're positive about 5%. And again, with everything that's gone on this year, all the troubles and everything. And, you know, like you said, things could get worse. But, um, you know, what I'm getting at is, you know, think longer term. And once we look at the years 2020 to 2025, people probably won't remember all these these troubles we had in 2022 with inflation and the war and all this and that. Um, that's what I want to see. I want to see what is the return for those five years? What is the return for the 10 years of the 2020s? That's what matters. Yeah, month to month, year to year, you know, you know, a lot of items can be noise, right? Um, and, and it does kind of, there's a lot of, uh, obviously a lot of factors that go on. And you know, whether, you know, you can call the, the, the war in Ukraine could be over, you know, in a matter of months with maybe there's a negotiation that happens, right? Maybe yep. um, a recession there and does end up being somewhat of a soft landing, right? So um, lots of points, but yeah, uh, it, it can be noise. And, and to your point, like memories sometimes can be uh, fickle or, or, or short. And uh, in one year's time, when we're talking about this, you and I might even have a, a difficulty trying to remember what the heck exactly happened in, in October of 2022 that caused uh, that bounce up, right? So. <laughs> I'll do in the World Cup. Yeah, we will. So, anyways, uh, I think we're coming close to probably forty-five minutes now on our on our mm -hmm. podcast. Just going to say, um, we'll try to uh, you know each 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 week have some some good financial information. Um, maybe get a little bit more financial planning involved too. I uh, I don't know if you noticed. Right. I don't know if you noticed uh, for next week. Uh, I sent a calendar invite to our financial planner Jeff. He's in Mexico right now, so he hasn't had a chance to say no. So uh, if <laughs> when he gets back, uh, hopefully next week we can have a talk with him and maybe talk about some insurance or something. Sound I would good? like to hear what he he talks to if he's with the with the local Mexican population thinks about their performance as well, right? So we well, can tell us. Yeah, actually, I'm <laughs> yeah, really right. interested boots, in uh, boots on the ground research. Mexico is a country I'm really interested in economically. Uh, I think it is one of those stronger uh, emerging markets. Actually, what I'm going to do after this call is find a graph of the Mexican stock market and just see what it's done this year. Because they're real beneficiaries of um, kind onshoring. of onshoring. Exactly. Onshoring, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, uh, they, the, the labor uh, force availability, the, the proximity to uh, a massive, the largest market in the world, uh, you know, yep. all the benefits that Mexico had had before that might have gone overseas over a bigger ocean now might be starting to come back. Uh, that has certainly been a theme onshoring yeah. again. Are there uh, and onshoring, yeah, yeah. Are there like 130 million people or something like that? Lots of potential consumers. Absolutely. And they make Absolutely. a lot of stuff and, and, for us. They make Volkswagens for us, but maybe eventually they're going to, you know, more of them will buy, will buy them too. And they'll be big consumers of everything pretty much. So it's a real, real good. Um, and, they, and they have that real advantage being part of uh, the USMCA or whatever they call it now, NAFTA. NAFTA. <laughs> NAFTA. Just call it what it what it used to be. So, um, yes, uh, certainly a, a theme or an idea that uh, we can uh, we can explore uh, in a future episode as well. The whole launch oh, yeah, uh, phenomenon. Call next week. Awesome. Um, yeah, enjoy uh, enjoy the weekend, Marcus, uh, everybody, and uh, stay warm. All right. Any views discussed in this podcast are those of the presenters or any guests and not necessarily those of Canaccord Genuity Corp. 
Statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views expressed are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial circumstances, or general need of any individual organization or institution. Investing in equities is not guaranteed, values change frequently, and past performance is not an indicator of future performance. Investors cannot invest directly in an index. Index returns do not reflect fees, expenses, or sales charges. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about anything discussed in this podcast. CG Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investor Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.